All right, let's uh, begin now. And what do, what do we say is our first partner, Ryan? Mecca Books. Let's begin with a word from our partners. Mecca Books is our first partner. And you can get a lot of good books from Mecca Books. And you can get shawls. You can get other things from Mecca Books. And one of the books that I want to get myself is Signs on the Horizons. I have a copy. I had to give it back to its owner. Uh, but I read half of that book, Signs on the Horizon. It's a book of Odia, basically, stories of the Odia. Okay. And uh, it's basically a British, is he British or American? I think he's American, actually. He's an American, American man. He lives now in England. And he became Muslim with the hippies, you know, the, uh, at the, during that, that hippie movement. And a lot of the hippies, and before them, beatniks, beatniks were basically communists. They all went to Tangiers. And they were doing drugs and they were doing all sorts of stuff. But some of these guys ended up going into Islam or becoming Muslim. And he's one of them. And they traveled around Morocco. And then he ends up living like 10 years, 20 years in Saudi. So, um, and then he writes this book. So Mecca Books is the first place you want to go for all these types of books. We're going to get a book list. I mean, can we should give us a pile of books that we should go through every It'll be our content, too. So second thing, professors one-to-one. You want to get involved with professors one-to-one because if you need tutoring, let's say you're a mom listening to this podcast and your son just keeps coming home with C's, C's, C's. What is wrong with you? Why are you getting C's? You're not studying hard enough. You need to study, okay? So um, uh, you need to study. But sometimes people just don't get the concept. There are too many subjects in school these days, right? So professors one-to-one gives you that extra concentration. There's too many subjects. This can only be three, four subjects at a time. Block education, right? And then expand the year. Why take these long three-month vacation? What am I going to do with them for three months, right? What are they going to do? They're forgetting everything. So go to school for less time, uh, uh, less time in the day, less subjects, spread it all out. Take more vacation days. Any excuse you get, get a day off, get rested up. But eliminate the summer vacation thing. Make it like, okay, maximum three weeks. Three-week vacation. So take a family trip, one week to unwind, one week family trip, one week to get ready again, and then change teachers or whatever like that. So do that's how education really should be. That's a revolution in, in, the, in the calendar. And then this, this idea, when I look at my kids' schedules, seven subjects? How the heck are you going to memorize Remember anything? Right. So you need professors one to one dot com to solve your problem. Right. And this rather he does solve problems His all his students. They all go to um, they get great scores. MCATs, LSATs, blah, blah, blah. Uh, next gen for nursing. Right. Next scale. I always pronounce it wrong. And lastly. Arcview. Pre-recorded virtual classes. We're back in action in May in the third week of May, but we have virtual is the term now for live online. Instead of saying live online, it's clumsy. They use the word virtual, right? So when we say the word virtual, it means live and you could talk and you could give comments, etc. And then secondly, the, there are pre-recorded classes, the classes that we've had in the past, the classes that we've had um, that were just totally pre-recorded. We have over 60 now. I mean, things keeps growing and growing and the student body keeps growing and growing. And so um, every day I see new students uh, registering and you get on the WhatsApp and that's how we stay in communication. And people have really learned a lot just, you know, because now we have a good four or five years 
of experience with ArcView. So uh, get on to myarcview.org and sign up and uh, and also go get yourself professor's one-to-one tutoring if you're not getting good grades. If you're getting good grades, stop getting good grades and sign up for professor121.com. All right, one-to-one. All right, let's take this question before we go to the end part of Surat and Nasr. Okay. We did half of it. We're going to do the other half. Okay. Baha'i B. I don't know if she's Baha'i, but her name is Baha'i B. It says, do you consider Shia to be Muslim? Personally, each individual can, can, can be considered Muslim and Allah is best. Allah is the judge, but what's your insight? So uh, when it comes to sincerity, we say Allah is the judge. We can't judge people's hearts. But when it comes to doctrines, we can doctrine is a stated belief. We can compare that with the Quran. Compare that with the hadith. And there are two categories, or three categories. There's what is Ibn Abbas termed a sunnah wal jama'ah, which is essentially a what is the explicitly mentioned in the Quran and hadith that the Muslim accepts that. I believed in everything explicitly mentioned or, or uh, explicitly. Explicitly means cannot be confused. There's no confusion in it, right? It, this is what it means. And we have submitted to that. That's what we call, we have accepted that as our belief. The second category, now, there are certain things that are explicit, but not widespread. They're explicit, but they're not widespread. Like not a lot of people would know it unless you research it. So if you reject something from that, and then you're informed, wait, the Quran says this. Because, right, what is Islam other than what the Quran says and what the Prophet says? So if it's explicit, like it's clear as day, and you still are rejecting it, then that week the the the, the Quran, the the Sahaba, they diff, deemed and the Prophet them that category to be innovators. They are Muslims, but they're innovators. Well, what's the problem with that? Their deeds are not accepted. And when they reach the Prophet at his fountain, the Prophet himself says, "Come, Muslims, I can see that they're Muslims." But an angel then comes and said, "No, they altered the religion after you." What did they alter? That which ex- is explicit in the Quran or the Hadith. They rejected it. And so therefore, the Prophet says, becomes angry with them, says, go away, go away, go away. Okay. And then there's a third category of people who are saying that they're Muslims, but they have rejected what is explicit and widespread. And that's a very short list of things. For example, that there are five prayers a day, that Hajj happens in Mecca, that Ramadan is a month of fasting, that the Prophet is the last messenger. Things that are very, we call these things known in religion by necessity. And one of the markers, the, 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 the characteristics of this, this list, any 10-year-old Muslim will know it. right? If you hang out with, if you lived with Muslims, just by living with Muslims, you'll know it. So it's called Al-Ma'loom Min Ad-Din Bid-Darura. Uh, also known as daruri knowledge, okay? Something that you would have to know. You can't not know this. Even when a convert becomes a Muslim, he becomes a Muslim with a with a mindset that this is what Islam is. It's this religion where I can't drink, I can't eat pork, I can't fornicate, right? Um, I have, there's five prayers, there's a month of fasting, there's a pilgrimage, right? The, the Muhammad is the last prophet, there's one God, there's fundamentals. So if a Muslim rejects that, but says I'm still a Muslim, like who? The Alawites. We call that zindiq, and they're not Muslim. They're, the Zindiq is not a Muslim. He's claiming to be a Muslim, but he's not a Muslim. The apostate is different. The apostate is telling you right off the bat, I'm not a Muslim, right? So that's murtad. Okay, and that's the worst category. 
So that's where we have Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, which is submitting to Islam as exactly what the Quran said and what the Prophet said, in terms of what is explicit, not what can be de uh, debated, what is in the language of the text explicit. And then you have the innovator is that type of person who is rejecting one of these things. Like, for example, uh, you can't say that Sayyidah Isha uh, became like a blasphemer or or herself misguided, etc. When the Prophet himself has declared his love for her, Allah Ta'ala made sure she's innocent. Allah says about At-tayyibuna tayyibat What-tayyibat wa tayyibin Right? The wholesome are for the wholesome. Is there anyone more wholesome than the Messenger Sallallahu And Allah has made Sayyidah Isha his wife. And he died while pleased with her. Okay? It's not like they had a divorce that her iman changed or something like that and they, or or she was tortured with her, or, or like destroyed with the with the kuffar or something. That's what happened to Prophet Nuh's wife and Prophet Lut's wife. So there have been prophets who married women who were hypocrites. But what happened? Those women were destroyed with the kuffar. And there were women who married, who were married to kafirin. Like who? Asya and Fir'aun. But what happened? Fir'aun dies with the non-believers, rejectors of faith. So, but how this never happened with Sayyidah Aisha. The Prophet Sallallahu died. She was not destroyed with the non-believers. She did not, there was no divorce. The Prophet died while pleased with her on her lap. You think Allah would have chosen a woman who is no good for the Prophet to die and the Prophet is buried in her room. Now think about this. Allah says about the hypocrite, uh, tells the Prophet about the hypocrites. They established a mosque. Okay. They established a rival mosque in the time of the Prophet to gather and conspire against the Muslims. Allah says, La taqum fihi abada. Do not set foot in it. So Allah does not want the Prophet even close with these hypocrites. And Allah says about the hypocrite Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, Wala taqum ala qabri. Don't even stand in front of his grave to make dua. Don't even come near him. Now do you think that Allah Ta'ala would say that to the Prophet about the hypocrites? Then allow him to be buried in the home of a hypocrite, dying on the lap of a hypocrite? That's impossible. So the blaspheming and this, these saying things about Sayyidah Isha, we would say, listen, there's explicit text. You need to stop. If you don't stop, you are muqtada. You're this middle category between Muslims, uh, uh, practicing your Islam correctly or, or believing correctly as a, as a Muslim and being a zindiq, and that cat middle category is called bid'i or mubtada, innovator. Now they can go to Mecca, they can be buried in a Muslim graveyard, but we won't do any worship behind them. We don't believe that their deeds are accepted. Why? Because Sayyidina Abdullah bin Omar was asked about the first group of innovators. They were the Qadariya, that they said, We don't believe in divine decree. Everything happens uh, for the first time, right? It, it, it's, it's not something that's decreed. And so Abdullah bin Omar says, tell them that I'm innocent of them. In other words, I disavow from them and that none of their deeds are accepted until they believe what is revealed in Allah's book properly and wholly. So Baha'i that's the answer to your question. We won't do anything behind them. We don't believe their ibadah is going to be valid until they fix those beliefs, right? Now, what you're saying it implies to sincerity. Sincerity is between you and Allah. I don't know if you're sincere or you're being a hypocrite, but your doctrine and what you believe, you can write that on a piece of paper and we could judge that against the Quran. So we, we can judge that. 
we just can't judge a person's uh we can't judge anyone's motive we don't know your motive we don't know what's in your heart so we just judge by the outside and we just simply say that this idea is um accepted and it's not versus not accepted all right so now let's go to this question i mean i we have to get to the thing but there's a related question sunni and shia getting married i wouldn't advise this unless they're neither of them are religious but as soon as one of you you know has a reason to start believing in allah and fearing allah and going that route you're gonna have a problem because you're you got two opposite faiths here you got two opposite sources of authority and you have two opposite sources of of knowledge too so our greatest hadith transmitters abu huraira amongst the top five is Sayyidah aisha so you're rejecting those two our greatest legislator after the prophet in terms of his fatawa as a khalifa because he ruled for 10 years all his policies have the ijma of the sahaba behind them right so said umar ibn khattab so you reject that then you have abu bakr siddiq so you have a rejected all these so their sources of knowledge are going to be totally different and and their priorities are going to be totally different as a result of that so is is the marriage valid well um it's different upon whether it's even valid it's even different upon whether that's marriage or zina it's different upon by the scholars all right so well starry night says what's the name i just mentioned it's the um signs on the horizon and reed is asking if i saw the partnership yeah i did see it but i didn't have time to read it yet i'll read the partnership uh offer in a second now let's go back to our circumstance of revelation what's the circumstance of revelation that came down regarding surat and nasr and the answer is that and we talked about it and we talked for a long stream on the conquest of mecca now we will talk about the next ayah and you see people entering into the religion of Allah or into the deen of Allah in droves, in waves. And we have two things to say about it. One is, well, how did this verse come about? Is that, or, or what's the actual tafsir of the verse? Is that the people said, if Muhammad, the, the, the people around Mecca, uh, Mecca in the outside cities, they said, if Muhammad has been given victory over Mecca, and Allah, these are the protected people of Allah. See, the Quraysh, they, the, the Arabs, they, they still had a concept that there's Allah, but they also worship these other gods. So they said, if Allah has allowed that after having only, you know, uh, uh, one earlier in their lifetime, they all witnessed, if they were old enough, if they were more than 50 years old, they probably have a memory of this, or 60 years old that Allah had uh, brought the birds to destroy the elephants of Abraha. Abraha was an Ethiopian. He's an East African. He, conquered, he was a governor of Yemen, and he decided to build a rival Kaaba, but a church. A, uh, an Arab came in, defiled the church, stood on the altar and, and defecated and urinated. So he swore then to destroy the Kaaba, as you all know. And then the birds came and pelted his army. So the Arabs viewed Quraysh as the protected people of Allah. These are God's protected people. But they said, if Muhammad is conquering Mecca, that means it's, there's no one stopping him, right? No one's going to stop him. Because we saw what happens to whoever defiles Mecca. And they stopped believing that this is a defilement. This must be the truth. You have something to say, Oz? Yeah. Um, 
One thing, because uh, I remember when we were talking about Surat Al-Fil uh, in the previous podcast, one observation that I had was that, you know, this event happened and for 40 years, no one took credit for it. You know, because if something happens, this is something that happens with intention. It's not like birds has come out of the sky. And so when finally, 40 years later, when the creator comes and takes credit for it, you should be able to listen. No that's, one else can. That's totally true. Yeah. That's totally true. Whenever a major event happens, you got to look at within 30 years, something's got to pop up. Like some theory has to be really credible. And, and for example, uh, when 9-11 happened, immediately there's a, there's a benefit to taking credit. Who benefits? Uh, Bin Laden. He became like viewed as a champion. Of course, I don't believe it for a second that the Arabs or the Afghans had even the capacity to do it, right? But he took credit for it. Why, whatever reason, probably because in the sight of the other jihadi groups, you're a Don now, right? You took down, this is the biggest attack that's ever going to happen, right? Because look, when the Muslims actually followed up with it, what did they follow up with? When they really tried to do attacks, what was it? The underwear bomber, the shoe bomber. So you went from <laughs> 9-11, okay, this biggest criminal act of the century, and then you're going to come follow that up with the shoe? And then the underwear. And it failed. Both of them failed. So you don't have the capacity. But so he got credit. But secondly, we do have credible theory. And it's architects and engineers for 9-11 truth. And I'm telling you that this has now been in uh, college textbooks as an alternate theory. Like there's the dominant theory, which is the government issued report. But this, the controlled demolition, is now in textbooks as alternate theories. So a theory always pops up. So the idea that nobody took credit for it, like nobody said, hey, I'm the one who prayed for it. Like, isn't this something you could have you could have done easily and nobody could deny you, right? So Abdul Muttalib could have said, uh, I stood up and I prayed for it. He didn't. Nobody took credit for it. Let's take another example of something where it was, in a sense, nothing replaced it. How about the O.J. Simpson crime, right? The murders of uh, his wife, his ex-wife and her boyfriend. Well, 30 years passed. Who did it? So it's got to be him, right? He was the only one who was a possible uh, a threat, or sorry, a suspect. 30 years passed since then, almost. Nobody's taken, no, nobody, there's not even an alternate theory. So when long time passes and nobody claims credit for something, and then finally the credit comes. And by the way, when when Allah has claimed it in the Quran, nobody denied it, right? <laughs> nobody, there's no reference of, of the Quran saying, no, 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 it's not that. So subhanAllah, they all knew this is the act of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so they know that this Kaaba is protected. See how Allah has set up his prophet to be an undeniable prophet. Now when he comes as the conquering army in Mecca, and there's no reaction from the heavens. They know for sure that he's a true prophet. So now they start coming in, which means tribe at a time. Not one person at a time, as it was in the past. It was one person at a time. Not anymore. In droves. One tribe at a time. Like 100 people per session. One shahada by a, to the tribal chief, he goes and gives 100 shahadas to his people. So that's the first meaning of it. The second thing is that the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that 
when he saw the tribes coming in and the people coming in and the Muslims getting very happy, he said, There will also be a time when they leave in droves. And today I think is a day, a time and an era in which you could reasonably say that at any day of the week, somebody is dropping off the radar of even just practicing the deen. Someone's dropping off at every day. Unfortunately, someone's dropping off, right? Uh, someone, you know, just checked out. There's always someone taking off hijab, leaving Islam, uh, subhanAllah, or doing something so blatantly, you know, uh, inappropriate. You know that there is a sheikh, and it's not really good to say this, to be honest with you, but, you know, I'm not even going to say it. When, when, when people do things that are so wrong and they go astray, because it's, it, it spreads, it puts seeds in people's mind that this is happening so much. But when you do see it, you know that the Prophet told us this is going to happen. That actually increases us. In, how brilliant is this? How brilliant is this prophecy? You think, oh, it's a negative prophecy. It's not negative at all. It's brilliant. Because now when we see this unfortunate reality, we say, wait a second, the Prophet said this is going to happen. Your iman increases. The Quran says, This is what Allah and His Messenger Prophet uh, prophesied, told us what happened, and they told the truth. So your, your iman increases. That's why signs of the end of time, you have to know them, because your iman will increase. Your iman will increase if you're, you're, you're aware of these signs. Okay. Next. Prophet when the people of Yemen came, entirety, huge cities, entire cities of Yemen came to give their allegiance to the Prophet He said, Atakum ahlul Yemen, hum adafu quluban wa araku afidatan. Al Imanu Yemanin wal hikmatu Yemaniya. This the, the, the Yemenis they boast that there are 40 hadiths praising Yemen. Okay, and the people of Yemen. All right. Atakum ahlul Yemen. The people of Yemen, ahlul Yemen, have come to 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 uh, enter Islam. They are the softest. They're the weakest of hearts. In other words, adafu quluban here means they're they're not weak in their faith or weak in their person. They're easygoing. The most easygoing people. The most compassionate of people. Ahlul Yemen. Al imanu Yemani. Uh, Iman is Yemeni. In other words, what does that mean? We could do a whole sharh on this. It means that Iman settles in the heart that's soft. One of the reasons is the heart that's soft is open to listening. If you're stubborn, right, you won't listen. Okay? If you're stubborn, you don't listen. If you're soft, you listen. So when you listen, you learn. Simple, simple equation. That's the first thing. But secondly, you, you don't like conflict and you don't like niza and you don't like strife. Iman settles in such a heart and it leaves the heart that loves fitna. Someone who loves drama, loves, like I, uh, uh, you can love excitement. Excitement doesn't have to be bad. It could be good, right? Like it's always busy and exciting, but someone who loves drama, loves fitna, Iman leaves that heart. The soft heart doesn't hate fitna. The soft heart easily admits to sins. The soft heart is humble. It's easy to be humble. 
and iman settles in such a heart iman is like water it settles in the lowest common denominator so if you're arrogant like a mountain there's you go up to the top of the mountain there's no pond there right where's the water all the water's at the bottom right because water settles at the bottom iman also settles in the humble heart it is said that allah gave upon the people of the earth to oust the fir'aun and did not find any heart more humble than the heart of musa subhanallah and no one was more humble than Sayyidina Musa. What hikmah to Same thing. Hikmah follows iman. If you're if you're soft enough, you listen. If you're soft, you admit your mistake. Right? If you're soft, you you sit back and you watch. You don't have to put yourself up all the time. So you gain wisdom because of these attributes. Next is that. Um, all right. Another thing. He tells us about Ibn Abbas. This, Ibn Abbas was a young was a young man, still just in the time of Sayyidina Umar. He must have only been about 16, 17. And the Sahaba said, Ya Umar, Lima tudhilu fata ma'ana walana abna mithla. Why do you bring this young man in our circle when we have sons just like him? Right? Walana abna mithla. So Umar ibn Khattab said. Okay. Ibn Abdullah ibn Abbas says, Sayyidina Umar called all the shiyukh, the elders of the Sahaba, and he called me amongst them. And I understood he wants to show, show them something about me. He says, Sayyidina Umar says, What do you say about Ida Ja'a Nasrullahi wal Fatih? Until he recited the whole surah. Allah has told us to thank him and to make istighfar, to give shukr and istighfar when we get victory and success. Other one says, we don't know. And some of them did not even answer. So some spoke and some didn't. Is that what you say? I said, no. Then what do you say? He says, This verse is a sign that the Prophet is going to pass away. This uh, this surah is a sign the Prophet will, will pass away. Why is it the why is the conquest of Mecca the sign that the Prophet's lifetime is about to come to an end? It's because Surah Al-Duha says, What is to come is always better than what is past. And the Prophet himself explicitly said, The most beloved city to me is Mecca. And the place where Ibad is rewarded most is Mecca. Therefore, there can be no success greater than the conquest of Mecca. And therefore, the Prophet Allah will not allow his Prophet to have like a slackening career you ever see someone who like has an apex in the last five years of his career is just nothing allah would not allow this for the prophet and by the way this is a sunnah for the lovers of the messenger they will follow his sunnah in this they will not have a slackening career you ever have anybody well the scholarship anything had a great career khalifa whatever but then the last 10 years just uh, nothing going on right just, just all he has is memories of the past this is one of the promises if people are devoted 
to the sunnah that this will not happen to them. Okay. فسبح بحمد ربك واستغفر إنه كان توابا فقال عمر ما أعلم منه منها إلا ما تعلم. سيدنا عمر says and I have no knowledge to add to this. There's nothing I could say more than this. Right. So then the people realized that uh, Ibn Abbas was special. Sayyidah Aisha قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يكثر أن يقول في ركوعه وسجوده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اللهم اغفر لي يتأول القرآن based upon this فسبح بحمد ربك واستغفر إنه كان توابا so the Prophet based upon that in his ruku' and sujood used to say سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اللهم اغفر لي سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اللهم اغفر لي right عن مسروق عن عائشة says that the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم used to say يكثر من قوله سبحان الله وبحمده أستغفر الله وأتوب إليه سبحان الله وبحمده أستغفر الله وأتوب إليه all based upon this as well قالت فقلت يا رسول الله أراك تكثر من قولي سبحان الله وبحمده أستغفر الله وأتوب إليه oh messenger I hear you saying this all the time سبحان الله وبحمده أستغفر الله وأتوب إليه فقال أخبرني ربي أني سأرى علامة في أمتي my Lord has informed me that I will see a sign in my ummah. If I see it more than my saying of subhanAllah, then I have seen it. And that is, Alright? The Fatih is the Fatih of Mecca. So that's the sign. If you see that, then repeat. Subhanallah wa bihamdi astaghfirullah wa Right? So that's what it is. Right? That's the sign that he's, the Prophet's talking about. There's a sign that I should say that. And the sign is that people convert in droves now. The whole tribe converts. Qad ibn Abbas, lamma nazalat hadihi surah, alim al-nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, annahu nu'ita ilayhi nafsuh. That his time is up. The Prophet knew that his time was up. قال الحسن أعلم أنه قد اقترب أجله فأمر بالتس فأمر بالتسبيح والتوبة ليختم له بالزيادة في العمل الصالح. So then Allah wants to the Prophet to end his life with the tasbih and righteous deeds of this dhikr. So Subhanallah, if Allah is telling the greatest messenger, I want you to at the end of your life to be doing this dhikr. You see the power of the If the messenger of Allah himself is being informed, say, subhanAllah, bihamdihi, and make, make tasbih and istighfar. All right, that's how I want my messenger to live his last days. Then that's the power of adhkar. Don't take adhkar lightly, subhanAllah. قَالَ قَتَادَ وَمُقَاتِلِ عَاشَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَمْ بَعْدَ نُزُولِ هَذِهِ السُورَةِ سِبْتَيْنِ يَوْمًا He only lived... A certain number of days after this. Siptain. Hey, Oz, could you look up Siptain? Yeah, Siptain. What does that mean? Okay. And that's it for Surat and Nasr. We finished the Afsir uh, of Surat and Nasr. Next is Surat Al Masad. And um, we will pick that up next Monday. All right. And we're still going back and forth with, oh, you who believe, verses too. 
So, all right. Remember, Monday is open QA, and we can go for a little bit on open QA. Can we interpret dreams, says Shazim Khan. I have some strange ones. I wonder if I should look into these. If you find a, a righteous and a, a competent dream interpreter, you may do. You may ask them. Don't try to interpret it yourself because, firstly, they're, not all dreams are the same. Some of them are true. Some of them are mixed up. And some of them shaitan. The mix-up ones, you just leave it. The dream that feels like you're in a movie and all sorts of dramas happening, that's just, you just leave that aside. Or the dream that is just your thoughts. All right. Okay. Siptay yoma. Tarif ma'ana siptayn. Fi majam al-ma'ani. Ar-raha al-ahya halatun yakunu ka'in ta'adhirun. Sabat jamia siptay. the plural of sept <laughs> so uh so you're going to ignore those dreams that are just like long-winded movies a true dream is something usually short it's got symbols in it it's impossible to forget and it's easy, a dream interpreter will immediately know these symbols because in the world of dream interpretation there are some common symbols could you share some tips for fundraising for a masjid i really don't know i don't really do fundraising very well but put Put forth good programming. And I think nonprofit work is no different than for profit in the sense that put forth a good program, a good operation, and people will give you. People will pay for a good product. People will fundraise, will, will donate to a good uh, operation. I remember when you mentioned Imam Jafar al Sadiq, he said to Rabbana five times for a dua to be accepted. Could you tell me which tafsir he mentions this in? Um, where did I read that? He said that. Well, he based it on the end of Ali Imran. Because at the end of Ali Imran, it says, it's a dua that, that begins each dua, because Rabbana, and then a dua. Rabbana, dua, Rabbana, Rabbana, five times. And then, Then Allah, it says, well, then we, we answered him. We've answered his dua. Okay. So that's where he got it from. But where did he say that? I can't remember where I read that, to be honest with you, fortunately. Tafsir al-Baghawi, when he mentions the Qawm people, is he referring to people of Tasawuf or another group? Shukran. Where is it? Uh, young Muji, which Tafsir? Which Ayah? Did Asya divorce Pharaoh for abusing her? No, Allah killed him. Allah killed him. There was no divorce. Allah killed him, right? Or maybe that's not the right word to use, but Allah caused him to be killed. Allah caused him to drown. He was finished. Do we have to marry someone just because our parents want that? No, you don't have to. And can parents make an alliance without talking to or consent of their child? A parent can make that. They can make an alliance without talking to their child. It'll be valid. But eventually, if the... Uh, um, that's probably more like something that happens in the old days where a girl would not know 
she would, they don't meet she wouldn't have met guys right in the old days and they would arrange marriages right so that was something that it would be a valid marriage but then obviously the effectiveness of it validity is not the only thing of 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 whether it's good something could be valid but it's not good for you so of course we wouldn't promote that but in the sharia if a uh, if a, if a girl is still she was never married she doesn't know uh, um you know her way around life if he contracted a marriage that would be it would be a valid marriage in other words it's not zina but uh, at the same time is that what is advisable in our day and age definitely not in our parts all right right what you got yes um can you explain the ruling on women leading prayer in each of the madahib i don't know about each of the madahib i could basically tell you that the chef allows it Chefs allow it women leading other women in prayer how about women leading other women in prayer right yeah women leading other women in prayer is valid in the shafi it's not allowed in the madiki method because we don't allow anything that didn't happen in the time of the prophet the madiki usul uh, and so that didn't happen in the time of the prophet therefore it's it's a non-thing women pray by themselves what about like there's this thing about like old women in the house or something leading men <clears throat> okay. no women leading men never to happen will never happen why would you want to do that? Why would you want to lead a man in prayer and bow in front of him and prostrate in front of him? Just ask that question. Is there any evidence of Sufi practice in the Prophet Muhammad's time and any evidence of its practice in the Quran Sunnah in particular to Sawa? A dhikr essentially is the main thing. A dhikr is the main thing. And of course, all dhikr comes from the time of the Prophet and from the Quran. And the group dhikr is also a big part of the public practice of tasawwuf and the communal practice of tasawwuf and the prophet ﷺ, it did happen in the time of the prophet peace be upon him at different times many different times in sahih bukhari um chapter on the adhan if you go to the book of uh, the section on the adhan and you'll see dhikr after the prayer that the way that the prophet used to teach the sahaba how to do adhkar is that he would say it out loud himself, then everyone else would say it out loud. And Ibn Abbas narrates two such hadiths that the dhikr was be heard outside the masjid. So he would hear the, the uh, tasbih and the adhkar of the sahaba happening. And that's why even in the, I remember in the Hanbali school, it's actually mandub for there to be some out loud dhikr. It doesn't have, they don't say in unison. They just say in general, out loud, dhikr after the prayer based upon that. And so, um, that's really the main thing is the, the main thing is is dhikr and of course you can find the promotion of the remembrance of allah is all over the quran and the sunnah and doing it aloud happened also at, during hajj times um and other other examples like that so all of those things are are, are readily present and on arc view i have the whole course on it by the way I read all of Suyuti's book with a commentary and a translation on myarcview.org on the course called Remembrance of Death and uh, uh, the Remembrance of God. I went through it, read the hadith, put this hadith on the screen, and then um, we translated it and talked about it and give Suyuti's commentary too. So Imam Suyuti, if you get that course, uh, if you sign up and you watch that course, um, you'll see everything.
Arai, what you got? Someone, Sidra, take it back one step. What is a Sufi? Is it separate from being Sunni? No, Tasawwuf is a focus on spirituality. That's what it is, right? So in the same way that studying a, a jurist is someone who focuses on the law, a theologian focuses on, on theology, the Tasawwuf is a subject in which you focus on your heart and the purification of your heart and your advancement in the spiritual levels towards your creator. That's essentially what it is. Next. What is the ruling on eating shellfish in the different, is there any karahiyah in the other madhahib? No. In the Shafi'i, Hanbali, and Maliki madhab, they allow you to eat shellfish as much as you want. Caitlin Joham says, what are signs that there's going to be ijab of your dua? Anything in particular to look out for? Yes, that you're repeating it often, that you're persistent upon it, that you're nonstop on it, that you refuse to stop, have a good opinion of Allah. It's causing you to transform your ways. It's causing you to change, essentially. You're getting better. And there's a sakina that enters your heart when you make this prayer. Uh, Ahmed Zarruq, in his, in his sharh on Hizb al-Bahr, says that dua is of three types. First one, the dua of the awliya. Is the awliya because they sort of Allah gives them a sign of what uh, uh, that their prayer is going to be accepted. Is that or that uh, this is something that Allah wants for them? Is that they find a sakina enters their heart when they make such a prayer, and they find it easy for them to stay with it, like they never forget about it, they never leave it. There any obstacle comes, they still keep going. So the persistence of it, the persistence of it, the Prophet said, "Yustajabu li ahadikum you will get your answer as long as you don't rush. And they asked, what is rushing? Then the Prophet said that you give up the prayer. You stop making that supplication and that dua and you say, I made the dua and Allah never answered me. That is the one who does not get an answer. So the second one is the dua of desperation when you're literally desperate for your life or for your livelihood. And then the third one, he says, is the the dua of the content he's content he's neither desperate nor does he desire anything and it's like he's he's making the duas of the quran out of dhikr out of remembrance and and, and obeying allah and in, in what he's saying um, i have a question shoot um, the dua of zakariya mm-hmm. so it says in surah maryam that you know he right he's inspired by what he sees in maryam and because of that, he, you know, he calls out in du'a to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then, you know, he says, I've never been disappointed by your du'a. Mm-hmm. And then the angel comes and he says that your du'a has been granted. This, But then he's surprised. So how can it be that he's surprised that the du'a is answered? While also, you know, saying that, you know, while making the du'a. Because if the Prophet is going to make a du'a, he knows Allah is going to enter yeah. that du'a. So why would he be surprised? That's a good question. So the Mufassirin say that when he says, how will this happen? He was literally asking, will it happen by me becoming younger? Will I be reverted in age? The way Zulaikha, for example, is said to have reverted in age or Ayyub, Sayyidina Ayyub was reverted back in age. Will me, my wife and I be reverted to youth again? That's what he was asking, right? Um, or will we not, will we have our child as we are now? So that's one of the answers to that. It was, it was, it was like a literal question. And then they said no. Um, okay. 
But the answer, that answer though, even though that tafsir though, is not as convincing. Because if you look at the answer, it's how? Because Allah said so, right? So it does, it would give the, imp, imp, uh, the, the, the first immediate response would be that he was shocked. He was surprised, right? And he was wondering how, okay? And so the, the other angle that, that Razi gives is that he has, the power of Allah Ta'ala is not something that he doubts, but how will it manifest here is something that he couldn't wrap, couldn't figure out. How will this manifest here? In this, how will the power of Allah manifest in this situation? And then Ar-Razi says that uh, the answer is that you will be as you, aslahna uh, zawja. We rectified your wife. You, you, nothing needs to change with you, but your wife has been rectified. In other words, she will have the baby because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has rectified her womb. Allah knows best. So those are the things for Caitlin to look out for. You look out for persistence in it, a sweetness that enters your heart, and your own self is transforming, getting better. Uh, Safa says, I heard the essence of trials cannot be eliminated by dua, and that dua can only limit the scope of the trial or delay it. Is it true? There's difference of opinion on it, and that some have considered that when the Prophet said, nothing repels trials except dua, it means that it's as if dua is an umbrella between you and the trials. So the trial will come down as Allah has decreed, but it won't get you wet. It won't harm you. By the way, uh, Ryan is now mic'd up so the Instagrammers can hear him. Whoever this anonymous person got us this uh, splitter, we thank you very much. May Allah reward you. And uh, as to today's open mic, or open QA, I should say. Um, and before we go, we'll give our second shout out to our partners. Go to myarcview.org if you want to, to study and take our classes. But if you want help with your secular studies, go to professors121.com. And if you need some books, you need to pack up your Islamic library, you got to go to Mecca Books. There's no discussion about it. Going to Mecca Books. By the way, if you want to make Hajj, I'll be going for Hajj this year, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala give us a long life and give us a blessed and accepted hajj. There are one million people are allowed to make hajj this year. Saudi has released one million. The usual is like two to three. Something between two to three. Like well, 2017, it was like 2.6 million. But now it's only one million people, which is a huge number, if you think about it. It's just not, it's just half, less than a, th it's almost a third of the previous years. But if you want to do that hajj, you go to ihyatours.com. I think Yahya Tours is the name of the website. It's the same people as Mecca Books. YahyaTours.com. Okay. It, yeah, that's what it is. YahyaTours.com. All right. And so that's the Hajj that they're going to be uh, doing, inshallah ta'ala. And uh, I'll be with them right now. Let's see who else. Do I have any else going with me? So far, it's just me. Fine. I'll take the whole group. I got a great stamina when it comes to doing these talks. I can go on forever. I can be your assistant. Okay. If they pay for my hajj. If they pay for your hajj? Yeah. Okay. You should float the idea to them. Uh, I told them anytime that you want guys, I got tons of guys who want to come. So there's there's quads. You can get quads. You can get triple rooms. You can get double rooms. Right? So, hey, Ryan, for your almond, did you get your visa, by the way? Good. You went to the consulate in New York and you got it? It's all online. Yeah. Okay, good. I have a story about that. One time I had to go to Qatar 
and then to Umrah. And my flight was the next day, and the, the, the Saudis had not given me my Umrah visa yet. But they had my passports. Because you're supposed to mail them your passports. So I went all the way there. I went to the Saudi consulate, and I said to them, um, my visa's taking too long. Give me my passport. All right? And they're still like, excuse me, you have to wait your turn. I said, forget. I said, cancel. We're not going to go to Umrah. Right? I, can't, I, I won't even go to visit my parents in Qatar. Right? I'm going to visit my parents in Qatar. My parents at the time were living. They lived for five years in Qatar working for the Red Crescent. Qatar Red Crescent, which is really amazing. They went to Kashmir, Chad. They went to so many different countries. Lebanon. All right? This is what, like, retirees. My dad manages, and my mom was a doctor. So they put them both together, and they and they did that stuff. So I said to the guy, I need my passport. I'm traveling tomorrow, right? He said, we don't rush anybody. You're going to wait your turn. I said, I'm not telling you to rush my visa. I said, cancel my visa, right? Just don't give me a visa at all. I'm not going to go to Umrah, right? I just, but I need to go to Qatar tomorrow. I don't know. It was such a drama that the, the consul himself came out to meet me and he said what do you want why are you giving us i said my passport it's my possession right you sign you stamp it or don't stamp it that's your business but the passport's my possession i'm asking for my passport and i said don't tell me you lost it so he has me write down that i agree right that they won't give me the visa i was like why would i write it down i just said it to you I said, fine. I wrote it down that I agree. Don't give me your Umrah visa. Just give me my passports, right? And as soon as I said that, he's like, okay, now I know you're honest. Stamp his visa. <laughs> what kind of charade is this, right? What kind of warped charade was this, right? Oh, my goodness. Saudi consulate in New York City. Is Hizb al-Bahr a good word for the fulfillment of dua? It is, especially if you read it three times. Are they taking questions from Instagram? Yes, we are taking questions from Instagram. Is the dua of Laylatul Qadr accepted as we said it, or can Allah grant us something else? We Okay, this is very important. It is possible that Allah will grant you something else, that he will save you from a tribulation, or he will delay it and give you a reward on the Day of Judgment, or he will give you what you want, right? All these four possibilities. But when you approach dua, you only approach it with one possibility. You approach it with the possibility that Allah Ta'ala is go going to give it to you as you said it. Why? Because the Prophet ﷺ told us to do that. This is the guidance of the Messenger. It's not my guidance or it's not some kind of self-help stuff that's completely subjective. It's the, it's the teaching of the Prophet. Pray to your Lord while certain of the answer. Absolute certainty of the answer. All right? So that's... Now... now those three things could happen, but that's not your business. That is not your business. Like, for example, when you go to get engaged, I'm going to go propose. It's possible she'll say yes. It's possible she'll say no. It's possible she'll leave me hanging. And it'll just be one of those drawn-out situations. Yeah, but when you go in, you don't go in with that mentality. You go in with the mentality that you're going to be successful. Otherwise, you won't be successful. You have to go in with the mentality of confidence. Okay? So that's the idea of dua it you have to go in with absolute certainty what you're going to asking for you're going to receive because the prophet commanded us to do so ryan you're up okay got a couple questions um does procrastination affect a person spiritually 
it, procrastination does affect a person spiritually because you can't be lazy in one sphere and energetic in another. You're usually, it's a personality trait. So someone who procrastinates their homework is probably someone who procrastinates their salah. Is probably someone who procrastinates cleaning their room. Is probably someone who procrastinates getting an oil change. It's something where that person's life is taken over by this, this characteristic. It's affected by this. Murtada says, what's the ruling on tarwih being 20? It's of the Sahaba that they established 20 rakas. Sahaba all did that. Nobody disagreed with it. So it is a jama'ah of the Sahaba in that respect. And it, in the four madhabs, as I know it, the masajid, let me speak on the Maliki madhab, the masajid must establish, or as a recommendation, should establish 20. But tarawih is any set number of rakas. I know the Hanafi madhab is different. I think they require 20 rakas, right? Or it's not tarawih. But we say, in the Maliki madhab, any number of rakas is tarawih. Except that the masajid, it is recommended that the masajid establish 20 in imitation of the sahaba. That's it. How do you become a wali? More dhikr, more salah? Do a lot of dhikr and do tahajjud if you can. And fast if you can. If you combine those things, you combine those things, then you'll find yourself uh, making great strides. Isra says, was Zulaikha's age reversed? According to the legend, yes, it was reversed. Sayyidina Yusuf came, found her at the side of the road, and she had become a beggar. She had lost everything. In the years that passed after his jailing, she lost everything. He found her on the side of the road as a very poor, ragged woman. And then when he saw her, he made dua for her, and they married, according to the legend. They did marry. She did get him at the end. Right? Many years passed. But she did get whom she loved, Sayyidina Yusuf salam, And that is for one of the reasons so that a prophet is not a fitna for somebody. Right? A prophet is not a fitna for any woman. And so uh, that's what the legend says. Is that uh, like history from the prophet? No. But it's legend that said that the, he saw her at the side of the road, made dua for her. And then he made dua on, like, on water or something. She washed her face with that water. And her something, and some youth came back to her. Basically, that's what it is. Some youth, not like you went from 60 to 20. No, but some youth came back to her and she lived out her life with Satan. There's a whole story, drama, after the drought, right? After the drought, after the reconciliation. Now, Sayyidina Yusuf, he's the chief of his people. Yes, he marries Zulaikha, but also there's a fall, the king gets worried about, with, about Sayyidina Yusuf. So he cuts for him a piece of land in the desert. Piece of land in the desert. And he says, that's your land, and this is our land. So take all your Bani Israel and go live over there. This is also protection for Bani Israel, so they don't dissolve in the society. So Sayyidina Yusuf and the Bani Israel, they all live in an area in the desert. And they spent, uh, they start digging for water. And they dig for over two years. They dig for exactly 1,000 days. Then Yusuf puts his hands up. Sayyidina Yusuf puts his hands up. He says, oh Allah, we've, we've been digging. We cannot get water. Of course, they had other sources of water, but they're looking for a big source of water for, their, for farms. And then Allah Ta'ala caused Sayyidina Jibreel to come down and etch out a piece, uh, you know, some water for them from the ground. That area is called now Al-Fayyum. It comes from Al-Fayyum. Al-Fayyum. And you can find it on the map called Al-Fayyum. 
come it comes from Elf Yom, and it was established by Sayyidina Yusuf. If you want to live in the city that was established by Sayyidina Yusuf, then you go to Elf Yom. Right? Tabensam says, if you repeatedly see something, is that a sign? It's possible. It depends what it is. It could be something just from yourself, from your memory. It could be from it could be from Allah. It's very likely if it's a true dream. Ryan. So, hey, he asked, does a piece of food the size of a sesame seed that becomes dislodged and accidentally swallowed later break the fast? Is there a size requirement for this? There's no size requirement. Any amount of food that a person swallows in the month of Ramadan, if he swallows it intentionally, he owes qada and kafara. If he swallows it by accident, like I just found a piece of food in my mouth, I didn't know what to do, and boom, it came down. It was a complete accident. Then it's uh, you owe qada. You finish the day fasting. You complete you complete the day. You have no sin against you, but you owe qada. Caitlin says, since we're not supposed to limit Allah's powers in our du'as, can we ask Allah to make a specific X Y Z good for us instead of asking to get what's good for us? You technically can do that, but it's not from the adab, right? But you may say, oh Allah, I ask you for this and make it blessed for me. It's permissible to say that. It's not impermissible to say that. But the ulama, they love the adab more of submitting to letting Allah choose. However, uh, we don't say that it's forbidden for you to say that. It's not forbidden for you to say that. What if you've been making dua for something you don't become persistent until Allah sends you a positive thing in your life that makes you make that dua again? So, yeah, there are things that revive your thoughts about something. You may have slackened because you just didn't see uh, um, getting anywhere. And you, you, as a human, you lose a little bit of heart. Then Allah gives you another sign and you get right back into it again. Fine, good. But one of the, But you should also know that the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, make dua while certain of the ijabah, is that also is a sign. When your Prophet is telling you, do this, right? That's also a sign. But however, what you said is also, what Shahida said is also fine. And it happens. It's not just fine theoretically. It's something that does happen. It does happen that you lose heart and that Allah helps you. He sends you something to revive you that this idea is going to come to life again. And it comes to life in your heart again. So that is something that happens uh, quite commonly. Is it bad to leave your dua and come back to it again? It depends why you leave it. If you leave it because you lose hope, that's never good. If you leave it because you just forgot about it and the time is is going on, right? time is passing and uh, you're not seeing results and you just, just forgot about it, uh, that's okay. It happens. Okay. What is Hizb al-Bahr, Caitlin says? It's a dua, it's a famous Hizb. Hizb is a, is a collection of prayers by Abu al-Hassan al-Shaduli, a Moroccan scholar that lived in Egypt. And he says that we were on the way to Hajj and we were crossing the Red Sea. And while crossing the Red Sea uh, on the boat of a Christian and his sons, a storm hit. And this storm was going to cause us all to cap this boat to capsize and we were all going to die. And the storm lasted one day, two days. Uh, at some point, 
I went into my cabin and I shut my eyes. There I saw the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa This is Abu Hassan al-Shadli saying. And he recited to me Hizb al-Bahr. He, he recited it to me. And he said, go get up and recite it. And I woke up. I went up to the front of the ship, which I think they call the hull. And I recited Hizb al-Bahr. And suddenly, immediately as I'm reciting it, the entire storm went away and the ocean calmed down. The Christian and his son became Muslims and they went to Hajj with us after this experience. And Hizb al-Bahr spread far and wide after that. The litany of the sea, it's called. Dana 2020 says, where are the questions on marriage? All these du'a questions are on marriage. <laughs> All the du'a questions, 90% of people's du'a is to get married. And then after that, 90% of their du'a is to have a kid. Then after that, for the men, 90% of their dot is to make some money. Ryan, you're up. All right. Yunus is asking if Umrah is fard. Is Umrah fard? No, it's not fard. Umrah is not fard. Uh, isn't Sibtain a combined title of Hassan and Hussein? You know, that's a different spelling. This is with Sin Bat Tat. That's a different spelling. Not with a ta. Fahim says, if given the opportunity, will you have a, conversa a conversation with the likes of Jordan Peterson? What do I have to say to him? I'll, I'll talk to anybody, first of all. But what do I have to say to him? I guess we'll just we'll just chit-chat, I guess. I would challenge him, what, what's, the, what's his foundations, right? What, what is his foundation, by the way? European European love. Like, not, not in the sense, I don't think he's a nationalist. Yeah. But at the same time, like, he's founded on very European ideals. Yeah. and of what he sees to be the ideal European society. Yeah. So anyone who's fulfilling that goal, you know, any thinker, it doesn't really matter where on the spectrum they're coming from, he's going to take and borrow from them. What are European ideas? Like, what are the main? Like, for example, democracy. Um, for example, like, I think that anyone who has, these type of, you know, like of European philosophy, yeah. of what it means to live a good life, okay. he takes from them. All right. I'll talk to anybody. But I'll also stop talking to anybody, yeah. right? Because if I see this go, it's going nowhere, right? He did talk to a couple Muslims, Hamza Yusuf, that was canceled. Yeah. Why was it canceled? I think it's logistically they were found. Mm. That's what I think. I think they tried arranging it and it didn't end up happening. Okay. Right. Are there any general du'as we can make that cover our goodness and protection? Any du'a, general du'a to cover goodness and protection? Allahumma sur aurati wa amir rawati. This is the dua Imam Malik loved most. Allahumma sur aurati wa amin rawati. Oh Allah, guard my my aura, which is the aura in this life is everything in which I'm vulnerable in this life. Wa amir rawati, and quell everything I fear. And usually it's said the fears of this life and the fears of the next life. What is the position of the Maliki Madhab on other confirmed sunnas? Other than that, uh, it is preferred by the Madhab. Is it jaiz or makru to practice them? Well, the confirmed sunnas of the prayers, sunnah mu'akkada of salah in the Maliki Madhab, is the sunnas that have a name. Witr, for example. Like sunnahs that have a name, 
Then the Raghiba is only one Raghiba. The highly encouraged is two rakas before Fajr. Everything else that doesn't have a name is called Nafila, such as the Rawatib, Rawatib being for two, four rakas before the Hur. And there's no limit on those. You're waiting for the Imam to come. You can pray as Allah until the Imam comes. Two, four rakas with no limit after the Hur. Two, four rakas before Asr. Two, four, six rakas or more after Maghrib. So on and so forth. Ryan? Is it permissible to pray sitting down in the car if you're traveling and the weather is bad outside or the area is not safe? The area is not safe. The weather's bad. Can you pray in your car? You have to pray in your car, but you should repeat that prayer when you get home. All right. Sidra says, check the question box. So here I am in the check. A board exams that cannot be rescheduled. Can I fat, uh, uh, skip my fast? I have a lot of respect for doctors and people going into medicine. However, um, and I, I just had a brother ask me this question, and he told me that his exam is an hour and a half away. I said, it was an MCAT. I said, that's traveling distance. So travel the night before, right? Sleep early. Next day, you're in a valid travel situation. You can break your fast. And you could take your exam while breaking your fast, right? So... That's what he did. So the only thing I have to first Sidra is if it's traveler's distance. So book your exam traveler's distance away. You gotta arrive before um, you gotta arrive before the fajr of that day, though. You have to you have to leave your house, yeah. your area, anytime in the night, not after fetch. So you leave the night before. Take a hotel into that area. Right? Okay. Interesting question from nothing. I always stutter on the R whenever I recite salawat to the Prophet. Is that like a sign of stuttering something? No, stuttering is not a problem. And there's not a lot of letter ra in salah on the Prophet. Right? Rasul. Okay, so say Nabi. Right? Say Sayyidi. Summer spaces. Is it necessary married couples to have the same method? It's not necessary. But the household should have an official method. I like that idea. Right? <laughs> right? All right, your mom's Hanafi, but this house, this this family is a Madiq family. That's what it is, a household handbook, right? And and they say, oh, there's another method. Go, go live in that house then, right? <laughs> your kids come, oh, but the Shafi, go go find a Shafi dad then. No problem. <laughs> right? uh, you have a state, New Jersey state law, right? If I need to know what the law is, I don't have to go on methods. It's New Jersey state law. If I'm going to cross state borders, there's federal law. If you're in this household, there's Madiki law. <laughs> I'll teach it to you, right? There it is. That's the book right there. Go and look it up. And these are the shiuch that we go to. All right. How to deal with mental issues, mental health issues affecting spirituality during Ramadan. Suicidal thoughts or self-harm. Well, it's a very simple equation. If there's going to be self-harm, if there's going to be any kind of harm, that we call that a sickness that is valid to break the fast. But you need a Muslim doctor to tell you that. Make sense? You need a Muslim doctor to tell you this. But if there's going to be harm, that's the that's the, the line. If there's going to be harm. If there's going to be hardship, no. Hardship, we don't break the fa fast for hardship. Hunger is hardship. You don't break the fast for hardship. You break the uh, li uh, line is sickness and harm. That's the line.
All right. So we got Caitlin Joham says, any significance to repeating Salah Al-Fatih for fulfillment of dua? Any Salah on the Prophet one of the guarantees is dua is answered. Make a lot of Salah on the Prophet hundreds upon thousands upon thousands a day and you will see amazing things happen. Can a dream of a prophet other than Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam be a false dream? It could be a false dream if 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 that prophet is telling you to do something haram. That's where it's going to be a false dream. If he's telling you to do something haram or something in it that contradicts the sharia. All right. Betka MM, my daughter would love to talk to you. She loves listening. Last week, she asked multiple times when the share we listen to daily is coming on. She's eight, and she's a number one fan of your team. That's great. Call her in. Why don't you call in? <laughs> All right. Takes my phone and gets Instagram to see if you're live. Why don't you call in? So uh, go and send a message to info at safinasidi.org. Send that email. Send your phone number, and you will get called in. Or actually, Ryan will reply. If you reply to info, reply with this phone. Which one? This phone here. Okay. This one here. Yeah. Because yeah. it's thick, and the and the audio is really good. Yeah. All right. We have two two things from community members. Community members. Local people. Locals. Let's hear it. First one. I'll. Uh, Brother Harris, he's giving a reminder for the Khatam time today. If it's changing, because 5 p.m. might conflict with us. Might conflict with us? Yeah. Harris Amin is talking about the prayer time. Uh, uh, by the way, if you guys want to join men and women's Khatam, we do this on Zoom. Go to mbic.org, right? Go to mbic.org, and, and you'll see the links. But the men's Khatam is going to be at 5 p.m. Let's just say 5.15. Okay, Ryan? That will take us throughout the whole month. There will be no conflict. We pray Asr right away, and we do the Khatam. Okay? 5.15 will be our Khatam time. So, Harris Amin, could you send that to the chat and tell them that we just talked and make it 5.15. That way, we could pray Asr the entire time before the Khatam. We only have 20 days left, right? We're, this is the 10th day of Ramadan. Subhanallah Radim. So go to mbic.org and, and you could join the women's virtual khatam. How do we do it? We open up the iPad and the Quran and Zoom. Everyone reads two pages. We have a, so someone has a question based on your talk after Fajr this morning. Yep. Um, when one of, one of Allah's awliya, Ibn al-Mubarak, made dua for immediate rain to be taken down, how can you reconcile the principle of keeping the du'as general? You don't have to keep your du'a general. By the way, uh, I want just for the, to know the distance. Instagrammers, can you hear Ryan? Uh, did you hear Ryan's question well? Does someone answer me? Just say yes or no. Just to make sure. Because he's a little bit distant. What is it? I just, let me just do it and see if the listeners actually hear. Okay. What if we're just to connect this? I don't know why we didn't think of that earlier. Uh, oh, smart. Now it'll be even clearer. Okay, so the answer is. Can you hear this? 
Then can they hear it? Because it might not work. What I just did. All right, Ryan, say something again. Alhamdulillah. Did you hear Ryan say Alhamdulillah? Yes, they can hear. Nice. It should be nice and crisp. Now. It should be nice and crisp. Yes, loud and clear, says Wasim. All right, really good. Sweet. Now you can turn it on and off, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Perfect. Excellent. And they can hear Othman too. Really good. Now, what was the question we were just talking about, Ryan? Um, Ibn al-Mubarak making a specific du'a. Yes. You, you, it's, number one, the du'a for rain is masnoon. Right? For those who say that they only want to make a general du'a and not a specific one. But the du'a for rain is we are is sunnah to make that du'a. That's why he made that du'a. Secondly, you don't have to limit your du'a to general. You, it is halal to make a specific du'a. It's not haram. Nothing, in, not invalid about that. If you wash a body part more than the prescribed amount, is your wudu valid? Invalid? No, it is not invalidated. Let's say I, wa I, I want to wash my hand five times or four times or six times. It's not invalid. It does not invalidate it. And why you do it will determine the ruling. For example, if you say I'm going to do more because there's a hadith in which the Sahaba said, uh, 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 what uh, that and the Prophet said that the limbs of wudu will shine light for you on the day of judgment. The Sahaba then said, then we'll increase it. Now it's that's understood in different ways, three different ways. When the Sahaba said, then we'll increase it. Number one, we'll increase how many times we make wudu. In other words, I always make wudu, or the number of times specifically per limb, or the extent to which you make the wudu. So that some people came in on Abu Huraira saw him making wudu past the the normal length. Okay, so if that's the intention, then fine. If your intention is that you think you know better than the Prophet, which I don't think anybody would take that, then we'd say that you're a muqtada. That's a bid'ah at that point. But the wudu is still valid. All right, let's now move on to Ryan. What you got? Where's Maham today? Subhanallah. You know, Maham, she's like a sister for, she's a, yeah, we're the regulars today. <laughs> All right, right. what you got? The regulars are, are over here and still here. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Is, uh, what's like the best English translation of Wali? The best English translation of Wali. Uh, that's a good question, but because there's such a specific term, there isn't a translation, and that's why the Arabic language, is, Islam, has always introduced words into the language. And so, there are whenever Islam comes, it introduces words, and wali has to become one of them, right? Because there's so many different. Is it protect? It's not friend. That many people say friend, right? Friends are equals. They're not equals to Allah. So we're so abd of Allah, but you're protected. You're loved. You're given what you what you ask for, right? It's a big deal to be a wali. There's no, there's no other goal in life, because once you attain this goal, you will literally so the doors that will open up are amazing. There's no other goal in life. But Muhammad is asking about like saint. What's the implication? Saint. Yeah, with like the Catholic whole, whole thing. What's the etymology of the word saint in in a, in, in Latin? Is it sacred, sanctified? I think that's what it is. So I don't know. Can we say that about somebody? Sanct is their soul sanctified? What does sanctified mean? All impurities are removed? Is that what, what the etymology of that is? 
Urson acknowledged as holy or virtuous. Okay. Typically regarded as being in heaven after death. Yeah, fair enough. I guess it's okay. But I'm not a fan of using words that already have other connotations, right? Why would we do that? I don't understand the, the, the logic of Muslims who love to run after Judeo-Christian terminology. I'm telling you, these religions, with all due respect, they're the reasons that we have atheism. The errors within those religions are the reasons that atheism exists. Okay, That's the result. What would one do when they have satanic thoughts during dhikr and prayer? Ignore them. That's it. You're going to have them, by the way. Because shaitan does not want, your nafs does not want you remembering Allah. So you will have those thoughts. So no problem. Just ignore them. completely. Titi Ansari says, how can we bring ourselves in a constant state of gratitude? It's, does it start with the tongue? I would say no. It's, I would say it starts with your mind. It starts with actually thinking about what you have, and it starts with your eyes looking at what others don't have. So look at what the people of Gaza are going through. Look at what some poor people are going through. Look at what, look at what others are going through. And then... The Prophet said, guided us to gratitude. He said, don't look at those who have more. Look at those who have less. Because that's all happiness and gratitude is relative. Right? It's all relative. So look at those who have less than you rather than those who have more. Uh, Sheikh, is it okay? This is Isra, a regular. Uh, is it okay to put up enemy action figures in one's bedroom? No. <laughs> I'm against enemy, by the way. What is it? Oh, anime. I'm, a, I'm against anime because yeah. I heard. Hey, uh, Oz, can you hit the uh, pause button? I heard, and Allah knows best if it's true. I heard that the original designers they designed it with one of the goals in mind is to make kids atheists. You, I read that. Can't remember where I read it, but I did read it. Um, so I'm not a fan of anime. For we that. have a lot I, of I don't, We don't watch cartoons anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, like the thing is, is that with a lot of Western TV shows, you know, you can kind of tell like there no TV show is good, right? Yeah. Especially the ones that are for kids. Mm -hmm. A lot of them, you know, like they're really promoting the wrong ideals. Um, one thing about like Eastern like ideology is that it's, you know, very strongly rooted in paganism. Um, and it's rooted in a lot of like Gufri ideology, but specifically with polytheism in mind. Mm -hmm. As opposed to a lot of our Western TV shows, you know, there's a lot of mischief and, you know, more and more it's going towards like um, LGBT stuff. But the thing is that at the same time, it's like it's more close to our ideology as Muslims. Yeah. While, you know, the Eastern TV shows, they're, you know, like they deal with like chakras, they deal with avatars, for example. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they deal with concepts related to like idol what worship. Yeah. It's like the Eastern ones are like. Like there are Arkida problems, but the Western ones are like Fiki problems. Shahawat, yeah. yeah, desires. Because yeah. you only go straight in two ways: Shubuhat and Shahawat. Shubuhat, false ideas; Shahawat, desires, Passion, passions and desires. There's only two ways to go wrong. And it kind of just like it. It's not going to like lead your kids astray, but it definitely opens up their mind to these possibilities. Yeah. For example, like like reincarnation is such a big thing in Eastern religions: Buddhism, Hinduism, Jainism. And that's going to be completely evident in, you know, pretty much every anime has some, you know, like form of reincarnation that takes place. Now that opens up the possibility that they start thinking about these ideas as well. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's like, a, it's not a good thing to 
get too involved in. So let me get this straight. Anime is just a style of drone. Right? Yes, but it, it comes from Japan. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's now, you know, more common in like Japan. You have, uh, I think, Korea, you know, like from that, from the East, the Far yeah. East. I don't know if that's... But it's just it. a style. Yeah. But it's also a content. Yeah. It's like um, the same way that we have novels. It's a media. It's a form of media. So like, cartoons are different than anime. So when you say, like, let's say romance novels, right? right. The content's different, but the general theme is all the same. Right. It's yeah. like, a, and in it of itself, it's also a subculture. Yeah. Where it's not just, you know, like, in it of itself, the art form, maybe it's permissible, maybe it's not. Yeah. But it also, it's like the discourse that comes with it. Like, um, you know, like, what are the concepts that are being discussed? You know, it builds off of each other the same way that any, like, like art form does. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I wonder if, if, what would I do if my kids got into anime? I would shut it down, right? Because I don't know what's going on here, right? Who are these people sharing these ideas? I'm going to shut it down. I'll take you to a Knicks game instead. Yeah, just, kind of saying just, huh? just like some substitute like basketball. Yeah, yeah. I'll shut it down. You'll be upset for a day or two. And then I'll take you to a Knicks game and that should do the trick. <laughs> All right. Are we going to get a call? I think we're going to call right now. What's the name of the caller? Hamza. You know it's Hamza. Hamza. He comes on now. Wa alaikum salam. Hamza Hussein. How was, what's happening? It's a pretty common question. Yeah. But um, how do you deal with the um, sort of uh, mid Ramadan slump or dip that is, um, you know, that often happens around this time or maybe around these couple of days when the second, third sort of starts? Um, if somebody has a dip in the month of Ramadan, what do you do? You, re, you, you, you always go back to the same questions. What's my motivation? What do I love? What would I die for? Like, what do I really, really, what would make me wake up in the morning? It's what it's all always about. What is our motivation, right? And what are our fears? You should have fears, right? So you go back to these things and you revive them by thinking about them, looking at them, and then let that be the spark to get us back to our ibadah to Allah. Sincerity is not that you worship Allah alone, for no other reason except love of Allah. Sincerity is that you do not seek your reward from other than Allah. That you believe he is the keeper of your reward. So that's what I would say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. Does that I, yeah. I, that's, thank you for the clarification about like, sincerity. Because I was always wondering about like, you know, how like people ask about like, okay, do you, uh, how, would, how do I love like my friends? But like, I also love Allah. Like, do, how do I love people only for Allah's sake? And like, um, one of the yeah. one of the ways is that as the Prophet he's told the Sahaba do the halal uh, make the halal halal so well, how do you do that he said do it knowing it's halal believing it's halal Be if Allah permitted this so I'm doing it believing that Allah permitted this likewise uh, we do it we do something knowing Allah loves good relations between the people right between his believers right it's fitrah from human being what about that other sister? Is she going to call in? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. Unless she didn't get the message. Yeah, so if you want to call in, go to info at safinaside.org. You'll get the call-in number. All right, what time are you guys? We are Eastern Standard Time. So Isra 87, we are... Um, oh, that's clever, actually. I guess 87 was taken, so she put AD7, right? Um, 
uh, and it worked. We are Eastern Standard Time. Women's five o'clock, men's five fifteen. Uh, Caitlin says, can you do a separate session on Laylat al-Qadr and how to best approach it? Yes, we will do that, inshallah. We will do that. All right, Ryan? All right, Eunice is asking, can we say firmly that someone is a wali? Okay, they're asking you to bring your mic closer a little bit since now that you could, you don't have to, because you don't have to, uh, Yeah. you can touch the button now, so. All right, so. Um, can we say with certainty that someone's a wali? Does Ijma <laughs> confirm this? We can't, we can say with certainty some people are awliya. Though when there's an ijma upon it, such as the Sahaba, right? Well, it's not even ijma; it's the Quran and the and the Prophet Sallallahu They get guaranteed them paradise. Is anyone guaranteed paradise without being a wali? Right, and so that's one. Other than that, we say we there there is a degree of hope. For example, if I see somebody, usually we need to see that that person has lived out their life. Yeah, because if they're still alive, you can still make mistakes, right? But if they've died and they have all the signs, we could say there's a high degree of hope. But as for absolute certainty, no, we don't speak like that about the Odia, about people. But there are greater levels. For example, is there anyone going to have much of a doubt on Imam Bukhari, for example? Or Abdul Qadr al-Jailani, for example? Or Imam al-Nawawi? Or the four Imams? There's not much, much doubt about that, right? But we still don't speak with absolute certainty, except about whom Allah spoke and whom the Prophet spoke with absolute certainty. All right, let us take a couple more questions, then we wrap up. Can you introduce everyone in the studio? I'm still not sure who everyone is. All right. Well, the two people who are essentially this program together is Ryan's at the chair. He's at the desk behind us, and he's squeaking his chairs, always squeaking, right? We need to get this brother some WD-40, right? It'd be hilarious, Ryan, if we go to the masjid and find someone had mailed us WD-40. Yo, that would be nice. Right? But we need to get this brother some WD-40 for his chair because it keeps squeaking. It's been squeaking so long that we don't even hear it anymore, right? Well, you know when some something's – they're so funny. During COVID, when we had our virtual khatam, there was a reciter, Ahmed the Sudani, right? Uh, Umar Salama's son. His his smoke alarm needed a battery, <laughs> right? The next Ramadan, right? His smoke alarm still needed a battery. He full year passed without him changing the smoke alarm battery. Yeah. So that's Ryan. Okay. Ryan is uh, he, he's he's uh, we're all New Jerseyans. Okay. And Ryan is our resident. Um, He's our operations man who's running the actual, you should see he's got like the buttons, right? He's pushing buttons. He's the one who gives you your timestamps, right? Yeah, he's got, yeah, he's got buttons. He's got little jingles. We're going to get a jingle, by the way, for this, <laughs> just for this. And guess what? The guys who designed the air to roll jingle are our designers too. Uh, producers, I should say. That's the, that's the connection we got. So that's the first guy who is there. But, and the second one is Othman, also known as Osman, which became Oz, which became the Wizard of Oz, because he put together this whole thing with, um, with all the mics, the arms, the cameras. We got three cameras here, uh, the cell phone and two cameras. 
we got lights all over the place and we have this what do you call it that's the dj thingy the mixer he's got the mixer and everything so before this we used to call him the music producer because he uh, uh, looked like a music producer, but he actually turned out to know a thing or two. So that's who is in the studio right now. You have a good question over here. Now. Yes. It's just and they're both single, by the way. Yeah. This is a very relevant question from yeah. Bushra. Okay. Our local Islamic school is having the, two, the second graders do a play called Wizard of Oz. The play has a good witch and a bad witch. Would this be problematic? Uh, inshallah, it shouldn't be problematic because I don't think that there's any theological things there. Right. It's just, I guess, magic fairy tale type of thing. It's I don't remember what the story of the Wizard of Oz is. It's it's the girl is she's in Kentucky, and then a uh, tornado takes her Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> a tornado takes her into a magical land. What is it? The lesson that she should be thankful, or what? It's like a, it's just yeah. It's, it's a, like it's like the hero's journey. Okay. And she has to make her way back. And she and she goes into this fairy tale, and there's a lion, and then there's a. Uh, tin, man. Uh, tin man and then there's a, a stock uh oh yeah the the stock man whatever uh, scarecrow the yeah. scarecrow right and then she meets them and they're her friends and then they follow the yellow brick road and then they get to where they, they make some stops there's like uh the good witch of the east there's like the, the four witches okay like the four yeah. horsemen or something yeah yeah and then like eventually they get to the wizard of oz turns out the guy is a complete fraud but, are you serious yeah yeah that's what happens it's like um it's like he's a complete. Oh, fraud. that's no good. Yeah, because <laughs> the Wizard of Oz is not supposed to be a fraud. No, it's okay. <laughs> okay. No, no. Actually, it's kind of um. It, it's like what he does is that everything that he does, it's not actual magic. Yeah. It's like illusions, and he uses his head. Okay. So, like, to make himself look big, he uses mirrors to make oh, illusion. Yeah. Um, and then you know he basically just gives everyone placebo. Yeah. Uh, you know the Tin Man, he needed a heart, I think. Oh, the lion needed courage. He gives everyone placebo, and then they go home feeling really happy. I see. Okay. So all my life growing up as a kid, I thought it was Allison, like the name Allison, and her last name is Wonderland. <laughs> my whole life. Uh, so that's, um, John Love shouldn't be a problem there. I think it's a parable for like communism or Marx. It's always some parable always a- like that. Wizard of Oh, Oz. you know what it was? It yeah. was a, uh, I read like a couple of days ago. It's like supposed to be a parable for like the gold standard. Because at that time, the gold standard was being phased out. And yeah. It was being replaced with, um, Greenbacks, right? I gotcha, okay. And so that, like that green road that they travel down, that's like supposed to be. Oh, the I road. see. Yeah. And that's the yellow brick road versus the green road. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes sense. It's always a, it was a philosopher, I think he was. Oxford, like Oxford professor. Right? That was the Wizard of Oz, uh, of the Wizard yes, of Oz. Yes, that was a shot. <laughs> the Muqtasar, the summary, the summary of the Wizard of Oz by the Wizard of Oz. Um, all right, all right. Any, any back to serious questions? Uh-huh. Any specific dua? Shafara. Any specific drop for healing, I'm assuming she's saying, right? No, no, he's saying like uh Shafa of the Prophet. So yes, the dua after the Adhan, of course. And three times when you sleep. Prophet said who says that three times before he sleeps, then I will intercede for him. And taking care of orphans who get your intercession. So that's three things right there. If you can't take care of an orphan and bring him into your home, then you can sponsor an orphan. I know that one must break fast immediately, says Shahida, at the time of breaking fast. So when is the best time to make du'a? Because it's one of the times it's not rejected. Right before you break your fast. Right before you put that kamra in your mouth, or whatever.
whatever you break your fast on, it could be water, it could be milk, as a sunnah, it could be anything else besides that. It could be just with your intention if you don't have food with you. Right before that, you make your dua and you believe this dua will be answered. Well, I have a question. Yes. So what's the, because it seems like her question is like, she doesn't want to delay breaking the fast to make that dua. So like, what's the, what's this like severity of um, breaking the fast late? No, that's not considered delaying. The dua before putting the tumbut in your mouth is not considered delaying. And you're not going to make a dua for, again, within reason, a few minutes. It's not going to be 20 minute dua, right? That we would say, you're now exiting the sunnah. But yeah, in a few minutes is okay. Sister Maham has arrived from England. Maybe she had an iftar dinner, that's why she was late. Tangazida uh, company. All right. Uh, Tangaza something company says, is it permissible in a woman's hide during Ramadan to wake up and make dua 100%? Of course. And your dua is hide and dua have nothing to do with each other. You can make dua all day and all night upon hide. Is the period. Maham says she spilled the hot sauce upon hearing this. Can you sell, tell us something about tafsir ruhul bayan? Not yet. Not yet. Caitlin Johan, what's the Islamic view on law of attraction and manifestation? I personally think that law of attraction and manifestation that has any value to it is simply when people talk about their experiences. My experience in uh, focusing, my experience in this, that, and the other. And just take it for what it is. That's just his experience. But for us, for us to believe that we're going to create something into existence or bring something, what is false for us to believe, and we should never go there, is to believe that we're actually the doers. No, we're all means. We're esbet. Right? It's a means by which things are done. That's it. If you believe that, then go ahead. You're just a means. And if you believe that Allah is the only doer and that your you know, constant meditation upon something is just a means to an end, there's no harm in that. The key is to... And, and, and also, th that's really the main thing. Just realize Allah Ta'ala is the only power that is in moving anything. We are just means. Whether it's law of attraction, people use law of attraction until they get rich. Then they use their money, right? That's my philosophy on it. They use law of attraction until they make their millions of dollars. Then they just buy whatever they need, right? But point being is that money, uh, meditation techniques, goal setting, planning, all of these things together are all means to achieving goals. As, and a Muslim does not believe that we have any autonomous power of ourselves. We're not like this Joe Dispenza guy. He says that we're, you become a quantum creator. What? You're not creating anything. <laughs> uh, create a, a better face for yourself then, right? You're not creating anything. Allah's only creator. You're in his control 100%. The fastest route, faster than any of this, is dua. But at the same time, if it's a means, and Habib Omar does say that ta'amul is a means to your ends. Ta'amul, Okay. It, which is constantly thinking about something and having a drive and a belief. He says that is 
one of the reasons Allah answers your prayers because you're taking the means. The means being that put it in your heart, act upon it, talk about it. As for the good of your Lord, speak about it. Constantly, you're 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 surrounded your mind with this subject. That's a means, and perhaps because you've taken the means, Allah will answer your prayer. Okay, so that's very important um, theological understanding for that. All right, Aya says, "How many? How, when should we stop, Ryan? Five minutes? Yeah, let's do uh, five minutes. All right, so three thirty stop time. Aya Levantine says." Sisters from Shem. Why did Allah grant the children of Israel so many favors as is told in Surah Al-Baqarah? But Muslims are suffering and food from heaven isn't coming for them like the nation of Musa alayhi salam. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, granted, he grants his believers many favors and no ummah has been given more favors than the ummah of the Prophet We have been given so much more than what Bani Israel has been given. And the reason is, it's not just it is Allah's will, but the prophet of Islam is the most beloved of, of prophets to Allah. And the people who followed the prophet were humble. Whereas the people who followed, the, the, the Bani Israel had a disease. They, they, were, they pestered their prophets. They disrespected their prophets. They killed some of their prophets. And they had diseases in their hearts to the point that Allah had to keep sending them prophets to cure them. We only have one prophet because the disease of the hearts of the people uh, of his time are not so much, right? So the, the, the sunnah established by the companions is to be, is we're humble followers of Muhammad. What the prophet tells us, we act upon it. We don't ask too many questions. Hey, can you get the battery very quick? And so why we haven't been given food from the heavens? Because we have Daisy food. In this ummah, right? Think about this. I'm not even kidding you. The Yahud, the Yahud, look at their food, right? Their food from the heavens, that was a desperation, right? That was a desperation and they needed that. But the ummah of Muhammad is blessed in food beyond al-man wa-salwa. Of course, al-man wa-salwa came from the heavens. But we have. Look at the cuisine of Muslims, what Allah has given us. If food was a blessing, which it's not, right? In, in the sense of, it's sign of Allah's love. Sorry, I'm mixing up all my words here. It's not the uh, 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 sign of Allah's love, number one. But if you want to say that food is a type of blessing, then look at the foods that the Ummah has. From Moroccan food, from Desi food, from Syrian food, Lebanese, from all these cuisines that we have, and compare and contrast that with the food of the Ahud, which is Eastern European food which is they're not allowed to mix uh, meat and dairy, which is they are not allowed to, what else are they not allowed to have? They're not allowed to so meat, mix meat, and, meat dairy? and dairy. They're no not cheeseburgers. And no cheeseburgers. Terrible. They're, they're, that's terrible. That is, that's one good apostate for that reason. Like right? eggs and chicken. Like they you, can't do this. Nothing. The no, child you cannot that. do the child with the, you can have eggs and chicken. The child, the, the product, and the animal itself. So lamb, with yogurt, for example, cannot do it. Oh, that's the reason why? Yeah. Uh, okay. You cannot mix the animal with uh, uh, the, what it produces. That's the law. Everything has to become kosher. 
For example, what has to be halal for us? Our meat. What has to be kosher for the Yehud? Everything has to become kosher. It's a great business for the rabbi. So don't ever imagine that. Um, and she's saying, okay, maybe she's saying food only. That's food as one thing. Suffering. Let's talk about suffering. What is the percentage of the ummah right now that's suffering? Let's say Palestine, Yemen. But probably less than 20% of the ummah. If you go to most Muslim countries, they're eating, they're living safely, right? Yes, it may be poor. So percentage-wise right now, it's not a large percent, right? That's suffering. Now let's zoom out. Historically speaking, when did the Muslims start suffering? Only about 100 years ago, right? Less than 100 years ago. Before that, from the time of the Prophet until now, you go through, yes, their Mongols came and went, right? But as a whole, the Ummah was in extremely great health. Extremely great political health, uh, financial health, and everything. So uh, when you if you truly compare between let's just say these two things that she mentioned, the cuisine of Muslims, which we don't care about. We don't care about. But she, she uses it as a favor that Allah brought the manna salwa down upon them, right? Um, the way that the Muslims live and the security that they've had and compare that with the Yahud, there's no, there's no contest that, the, the, that we have been given a lot more rahmah, that the Muslim Ummah has been treated with a lot more mercy and the Yahud have, be, have received... Uh, uh, terrible tortures and punishments that you wouldn't want even one tenth of that upon you, right? So, all right, Ryan. So, someone's asking, Abdul Hadi is asking, any advice for a high schooler who is surrounded by non Muslims in school? Any advice for a Muslim? Okay, I don't have to answer the question, I don't have to repeat the questions now, which is greatly great. Um, I would say you have to really flood yourself and your schedule with time spent with Muslims. Like you got to go from school, you got to go to the masjid every night if you can. Uh, do etikaf, go to the masjid as much as you can. Hang. You have to balance out that suhbah with better suhbah. Because if suhbah is your problem, the company you have is your problem. And the com other better company is your solution. The car aristocrat says, how should we approach seeking a wife? if we aren't to make contact with them privately. You should seek it through an intermediary and through the families, if you can. Through the intermediary and through the families. And then you can spend time privately with them in a way that people, like you go visit their house and you sit in a room on the side, for example. Okay, And the Saudis have a name for this. Uh, I can't remember what they call it. But you sit in a room on the side and you can speak privately to them. Right? You can speak privately. Here, here, pick this up. See if he's here. Just pick it up. Hello? Uh, who is this? Are you here outside? All right, are you outside right now? Yeah, we're, we're here. here. Yeah, yeah, we'll be here. Shahada? No, that's Captain Bobadilla. So that's how you so you so you have these um, meetings in that in that manner, right? You have this meeting meetings in the house, but like to the side, right? In a room, and you could talk forever, 
but there's it, there's no closed door and people come in and out bring you some tea and you chit chat and you talk for a long time right and you do this once twice three times until you get to know one another um i have a question yeah just so like um at least in the medical method like the uh, i remember chef Rami was saying that like taking enjoyment from the woman's voice would be is impermissible and he said that also extends to enjoying talking to her so what if when you're you know in the proceedings of marriage like how do you make sure that that, that like is that like you you kind of get what my question is though. yeah yeah i get your question well you just have to go by your intention right my intention is to get to know this person that's essentially that's how you're going to go about it you're not sitting there re listening to re listening to recordings right and driving pleasure from that kendi 1296 it is also talks about the journey of the other characters who overcome their fears in their way of to the wizard yes that the way to the wizard of oz uh this was for people joining us the wizard of oz gave us a mulakhas uh, of the wizard of oz because it was a question from a sister who said her kid her daughter or son is doing a, uh, a play in school. Is this permissible? And I don't see that there's anything impermissible about it. Doing a play of The Wizard of Oz. It's like an allegorical play. Should we say the dua of Adhan during or after the Adhan? After the Adhan. Summer space. How do we know if Allah is telling us a, captain, a certain dua is not okay for us when we are stubborn or stuck on something? If you get signs that would force you... if. A du'a itself cannot be wrong unless the wording of the du'a is wrong, right? Unless the reality shows you. For example, if you're praying, oh Allah, heal my grandmother, then your grandmother passes away, then clearly Allah has chosen something other than your prayer. And then that's it. Like there's 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 no way to make that du'a anymore. But other than that, a du'a is, it's a du'a. It's, you're free to, to continue to do it. And maybe if Allah is sending you a sign that you shouldn't do it, uh, or say that du'a, I don't think that there's limits on the du'a that you can say. But in terms of your actions, you should always look at, at the realities around you in terms of your actions, right? So for example, uh, I want to marry so-and-so, but then so-and-so got married to somebody else. Now, what are you going to do? Wait until he divorces? No, move on with your life now. I would say move on your thought. If Allah had willed that, maybe he will it later on, but move on with your life now. It's What you do is also as important. What did the captain say? He said that he's on two, three minutes. Uh, it did not say. I think he was just checking to see. If okay, so let's wrap up because the captain of the local police um, is actually coming to visit our center. He's a really cool guy, right? Yes, from uh, uh, he's probably uh, showing up here any minute now. Pakistani shawls, Muhammad Masood is saying. She says, I know the Yemenis are ones are a thing, but so are the Kashmiri ones. I don't know what they look like, to be quite honest. What do you think of subliminals, says Isra? Oh, they're very powerful. Subliminal messaging is pretty powerful. Very powerful. How can I teach myself patience when dealing with people who may be bipolar or narcissist? I think you should, you don't have, you're not obligated to be around them. Stay away from them. Stay away from such people as much as you can, unless it's your parent that you have to deal with. Where can we get men and selwa? Selwa is a bird. You can eat that. You can get it. It's quails. Men, you, no, I don't think you. That is something that you. Yeah, you know, in video games, yeah. um, you have like mana, yeah, which is like an energy thing. It's like basically like you can only use a certain number of spells that comes from mana. Oh, really, mana? Yeah. 
All right, folks, let's wrap it up here. We had a nice open QA, and now we're going to go meet the uh, one more question from Muzam al Khan. Please explain more about the verse. You never have to worry about people who have taqwa. If someone has taqwa, you never have to worry about that person. That person is in the care of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't worry about them. And they themselves, one of the signs of wilayah, sadness is not something that settles in them. Grief, depression, and sadness do not settle. Yes, they may have it for a little bit, but they quickly return back to their members of Allah, the optimism, the wonderful creation of Allah. They get busy doing ibadah, busy serving others, remember death, move on. And so their attribute is that la yahzinun. They don't, they don't have spells of sadness. All right, we got to stop there. Jazakumullah khairan, subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Shadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr illa al-lazina amanu wa aminu al-salihat. Wa tawasaw bil-haq, wa tawasaw bil-sabr. Wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.